In this episode of the Waymaker Fireside Chat podcast, we'll be sitting down with Chris Gardner. In 2006, Will Smith played Chris Gardner in The Pursuit of Happiness, an award-winning picture based off of Chris's book. Chris is also a film producer, entrepreneur, and speaker, and today will break down the inspiration behind his upcoming book, Permission to Dream, and offer listeners invaluable wisdom regarding balance, happiness, and opportunity. Welcome to the Waymaker Podcast. So glad to have you today. I wasn't going to miss this, man. I wasn't going to miss it. Thank you for having me. How you been doing? I am out here crushing it, Lewis. I am absolutely crushing it. And I, I got to say that, Lewis, in all sincerity, uh, with, with a fair amount of balance as well. I'm crushing it, but I'm being crushed. You know so, what I mean? <laughs> so let's, let's talk about that word balance. Mm. People define it differently. Mm. How do you define balance? Not having to get up off the ground. If you didn't fall, you're balanced, right? That's a great definition, my brother. Right? If you ain't getting up off the ground, you're balanced. You can do like this. It's going to happen, Lewis, right? And for a lot of us, um, we have this feeling every day. Oh, hold up now. Take, you know, these baby steps, Lewis. Take these baby steps. Uh, get some traction. You know, uh, I got to tell you, 2020, Lewis, caught us all off guard. Nobody saw that coming. I will never forget the last speech I did, Lewis, domestically here in the United States was February 12th, 2020. I was given the opportunity to address the United Nations. And let wow. me tell you something. I tried to play like, okay, hey, man, this is just another event. I mean, you don't want to get yourself too psyched out, Lewis. You know what I mean? Right. I'm going through this thing in my head. Okay, man, you've spoken in 80 countries all around the world, governments, foundations, institutions. This is just another event. But let me tell you, when you walk through that fourth level of security at the United Nations, you go in the front door, and there's a life-size statue of Nelson Mandela standing there to greet you with his hand extended to friendship. That's when it hits you. Now, this ain't just another event. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. Uh, the UN on this day, Lewis, for the first time, was beginning to ask, how could we possibly end global homelessness? And uh, I got to be the last speaker, and I won't bore you with all the gory details, but I will say this. I expressed the concern that we must expand who is at risk of becoming homeless to include working women. Because the truth of the matter is, we both know in too many parts of our country, women are still paid substantially less than men for doing the same job. And in certain parts of our country with real estate doing what it has done the last few years, those people know, Lewis, if I lose my job, or if my husband loses his job, or if there's some economic gyration someplace that happens around the world that uh, we had nothing to do with, we are at risk. My point, Lewis, that was February 12th, 2020. COVID was already here. Okay, now, while it wasn't initially defined as an economic gyration, it certainly has had devastating economic impact across the board. So, so, so Chris, love your definition of balance. Mm. Uh, your whole brand has been about happiness. Mm. When did that word become a part of the Chris Gardner? We've all seen the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, and Will Smith played the role of you. Uh, we've read your books, but I've never really known how or when that word entered your environment, your orbit. Tell us about that. There was a daycare center, Lewis, that was a block away from the place my son and I finally got to have a home after a year of living on the streets. 
train stations, bus terminals, hotel lobbies in the Bay Area. What year was that, Chris? That was 1983. And they did spell happiness with a Y. And it was right there I realized what that Y stood for and still stands for me. That Y is there to make us all mindful that it is you and your responsibility, you and your opportunity to create the life that you want for you and your family. Because the cavalry is not coming. This is on you. Right? And I'm comfortable with that, Lewis. That goes back to that definition of balance we talked about. I'm comfortable with that because if I'm all I got, if I'm all I can count on, I know where I'm at. So if you're balanced, Mm. are you saying you can have happiness or if you're not balanced, you're unhappy? No, I'm saying if you're balanced, you can have happiness. And you can have happiness being unbalanced because it's it's a fluid thing, Lewis. You don't just get to a place called happiness and pull off. There's no exit ramp for that, right? It's all part of this destination. And part of this road that we're on right now, Lewis, that big why in happiness, that big why in happiness right now means, Chris, you are healthy. Your family is healthy. But at the same time, Lewis, you cannot take your eye off the ball for a second. You cannot let your guard down for a second. The last thing a referee and a professional prize fight says to both fighters is protect yourself at all times. That's where we are right now, Lewis. So... So, you know, the Waymaker brand is about educating, motivating, and inspiring people to live their best life in order to improve their families, their communities, and their country. Yes, sir. How can balance and happiness play a role in helping people do that? Let me tell you what I'm doing and how it's working for me, okay? Uh, Prior to the pandemic, I was living, Lewis, what I'm comfortable calling uh, my JFK moment. Um, Tell us about that. I saw some things, Lewis, and still see some things in our, our country that concern me, particularly around young people. And I will never forget being in my hometown, Lewis, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, standing in front of the elementary school that I went to when I heard President John F. Kennedy ask that question in his inauguration address. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And right there it dawned on me, wait a minute. How do we know the next Chris Gardner, the next Lewis Carr, or the next Oprah Winfrey is not coming and going out of these same school doors and public schools all across our country right now. The truth is, Lewis, they are. So I was in the process of doing this tour, man. I said, okay, I'm going to do 100 schools. Let me tell you something. We blew through that number. We blew through that number, and now we had to make the hard pivot, Lewis, from doing everything live to doing it virtually. And because we learned in 2020 what could be in 2021, we get to show what can be. I'm on pace right now to speak at a thousand schools, man, all across America. And Chris, what do you talk to uh, these young people about? I talk to them very specifically, Lewis about the three most important decisions I ever made in my life, all of which I made at their age or younger. And these young people right now are having to make some very important decisions in their lives, Lewis. I talk specifically about breaking the chain, breaking that cycle, and all those that chain of cycles that have plagued my family. Number one, growing up without a father, I made a commitment I was going to break that one link, child abandonment. And when I broke that one link, Lewis, 
all of the other associated links were instantly shattered, including child abuse, domestic violence, alcoholism, illiteracy, fear, and generational poverty. That one decision, Lewis, didn't just change my life, that changed the lives of my yet to have been born children and my grandchild. That one decision had generational impact. Number two, I made the decision I was going to become world-class at whatever I did with my life. Not good at it, not pretty good at it, but world-class at it. And number three, I made the decision as a young man that I was going to do something that was bigger than what I saw every day. Mm. Huh? Lewis, I would, let me tell you something. I don't know how much time we got, but I'm going to tell you this. I will never forget going down to the Greyhound bus station, downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I got no money. I got no ticket. I can't go anywhere. But I would sit there, Lewis, and I would see these buses take off. And you know how the, the names at the top of the bus, the destination? St. Louis, Kansas City, Cleveland, Detroit. And I would sit there and look at those buses, and I'd say, one day, man, I'm going to all those places. I'm going to all those places. Now, Lewis, I'm 13, 14, 15 years old, right? Bottom line, I have spoken in over 80 countries. And I'll never forget, it was Dr. Angelo. I told her that story, and she just says to me, young man, God always has a bigger plan. You wanted to go to Detroit and wound up in Dubai. Lewis. So, Chris, in, in, in these times where we've got COVID-19, mm-hmm. we've got social injustice, mm-hmm. We've got unemployment. Mm -hmm. What would you say to our listening audience as they're trying to wrestle with one or more of these hurdles? What would you say? Because you've been there. You've been there. Let me tell you something. First of all, again, just a second ago, I mentioned Dr. Angela. I cannot sit here and not share with you my last conversation with her. We were talking about struggles. And I will never forget her saying to me, we have the people for this mountain. We must all be mindful that there are people who came before us, who came up a steeper side of this mountain, carrying a bigger and heavier load with little to no opportunity, but they still kept going forward, onward and upward. This has been done before. It's just our turn. This has been done before, Lewis, and it's going to happen again. We just don't know the name of the next event. This is going to happen again. So a bigger question is, what did I learn in 2020 that I'm going to have in my toolbox as I go forward? Mm -hmm. Right? Lewis, you and I both, we can go in a toolbox and say, you know what? I've dealt with this. I've seen that. I know how this feels. I got something in this toolbox that I could pull out right now that's going to help me navigate this current situation. And a lot of us, Lewis, have some things in our toolbox that we can reach down, draw down on, and apply. This is the time to draw down on every loss you ever took, every fear you ever felt, every Thing that ever hurt you or caused you pain and say, you know what? I've done this before. It may not have been exactly this. I've seen something like this before. So, so Chris, I'm, I'm going to throw this word at you. Hmm. Is faith sort of closely related to that word happiness? Oh, man, faith is everything. Well, let me tell you something. You can have faith, all the faith in the world. See, now you're making me think about my mama. Lewis, <laughs> Lewis, you know, I don't know if you noticed when you came, came to my house, but I got one weird houses. You got to come through the kitchen to get in the house. And I don't know how that happened, but that's just how it happened. <laughs> you see, 
when you come in the kitchen, you see a picture of my mother and, a, and Mr. Coffee. And we have a cup of coffee every day because that's what we did at the point in time. That was the only place in time in the house where we could have peace in the morning, just me and her. My point is, every day to this day, now mama moved to heaven 26 years ago. We still had the same conversation every day. She said, son, did you do your work? Yes, ma'am. Did you pray on it? Yes, ma'am. Well, keep working because God's busy. God got to help somebody that needs some help more than you do right now. Keep working. God's busy. He's going to get back with you. Right? But you know what, Lewis? This thing about faith, man, I believe, but I also know I got to do this work, man. I got to stay focused. I got to stay extremely disciplined. I cannot allow myself to be distracted. I am probably, Lewis, the most boring individual that you know. I don't know about that, Chris. <laughs> I do the same thing every day, Lewis. I'm grinding. Yeah, yeah, but you're doing a different type of grind, Chris. You you used you used to be I chose, Lewis. I created this grind. So I'm gonna throw this other word at you. Reinvention. So you used to be in the field of finance, all right? Uh, and, and you still are in one way or the other, all right? But now you're in the field of motivating, inspiring the next generation. How difficult, or maybe not difficult at all, was to reinvent yourself or was it another iteration of Chris Gardner and happiness? It was nothing to do with a reinvention, Lewis. It's just an extension. I'm making different types of investments now. I am making alternative investments in human capital. All right? I'm trying to help create the next Chris Gardner. I'm trying to help create the next Lewis Carr. And let's be clear on what that means. If a young man comes up to me and says, I want to become a billionaire, I've got to say, I've never done that. I can't help you with that. If a young woman comes up to me and says, I want to become the CEO of a major Fortune 500 company, I've got to say, I've never done that. I can't help you with that. But when a young person comes up to me and says, I want to do something that I love, I'm committed to becoming world-class at it, and I want to work for myself. To that young person, I can say, I've done that. I can help you with that, okay? And let me go back to something we talked about a moment ago. This whole idea, this whole concept of being world-class at something. The second most important decision I ever made in my life, Lewis, I made it after I heard Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. speak. He was speaking to a group of municipal employees garbage men down in Memphis, Tennessee. And his message to those men that night was, whatever you're going to do with your life, you should seek to become the best at it. I believe his exact words, Lewis, were, if you're going to be a garbage man, you should seek to become the best garbage man and sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. World class at it. Not good. Everybody's good, Lewis. Everybody's good, good enough. You don't get to sit where you're sitting, and you certainly don't get to sit over here by being good enough. No, you're raising the bar constantly. <clears throat> Not raising the bar in comparison to somebody else, Lewis. Raising the bar in comparison to what Lewis Carr and Chris Gardner did yesterday. That's done. Chris, I heard that message when I was in high school when my coach asked me, Lewis, make a decision now whether you want to be good or whether you want to be great. And as I said many times before, until that question was asked of me, I didn't know I had a real role in it. Mm. I thought it just happened. Mm. So but once he got it, they just got yeah, it. They just got it. My response to him when he asked me that question was, what do the people who are great do that the people who are good don't do? 
And his response to me is, with that question, you've answered my question. So 2020, we talked about COVID-19 and its devastation on society and our communities. Let's talk about social injustice. It took a front row seat right next to COVID-19 last year. Front row seat. Co-star. Right. And young people, and I applaud these young people, brought it to our attention in a major way. When I talk to young people now, Chris, as they've made us aware, and they said, we ain't going to have the patience that our parents and our grandparents have. What is your advice to young people on what's next? We are totally aware. What's your advice to what's next? Don't stop. Don't stop. Lewis, let me tell you this. I'm looking back. Okay, now me and you right here in Chicago. Uh, me and you also, we could probably go back in, de- in the day and we, we saw riots. Right. Let me tell you something. When I'm addressing this question, I'm not talking about the rioting. I am against the rioting, whether it's the people, the police, or politicians that incite them. But when I see the young people who are out leading the charge for change. I see something very, very unique, Lewis. Let's just go back 20 years and look at the timeline of these young people's lives. If they were born in the year 2000, Lewis, they were conceived in a storm. They were conceived in the storm of 1999. We were all freaked out about something called Y2K. Remember that? It turned out to be a non-event, but the fear was the world was going to end. All the technology was going to fail. The banks were going to collapse. The utilities were going to fail. All government documents and records were going to be lost forever. Those children born in 2000 were conceived in that storm. You fast forward on their timeline and their lives, Lewis, just one year, 2001. What happens? 9-11. Fast forward seven years, what happens? Global financial crises. Fast forward 12 years, what happens? Politics, polarization, and a pandemic. My point is, what's the one constant in that timeline, Lewis? Big, dramatic, frightening change. There's never been another generation better prepared to embrace, demand, or create change than this generation right here. Change is in their DNA. And it's not going back, okay? And let me tell you something about all this. I don't know if this is the appropriate forum, but I'm going to share this with you. Uh, Back 2000, the summer, everything that's happening is happening. Uh, I got a number of phone calls from some CEOs of major businesses who wanted to make statements, And for some reason, they thought they might want to call me to get my opinion and share with me what they were thinking. And my response, Lewis, I'm just not going to sugarcoat it. My response was, well, why do you care now? Where was all this empathy, concern, and compassion? Not five, ten years ago, but five, six months ago. Why do you care now? And if you can't answer that question, maybe you shouldn't say anything. And on a Zoom call, Lewis, guy just finally had to, he had to let me know why he cared now. He says, well, I'm being challenged by my children. My children have said to me recently, when I was a little boy, when I was a little girl, Every time you saw an African-American on television, you said this. Mom said that. Uncle Bobby said this. I couldn't say anything because I was just a kid. But now I can tell you, you've been part of the problem all along. Huh? Right? Being challenged by their children. So... You, you, you talked about how easy the young generation is to change. Mm. Well, corporations and the older generations are just the opposite. Look, let's take that conversation a step further. 
uh, I, I would make this challenge, and I have made it, and will continue to make it, to every CEO in America. You want to talk about change? Hmm. Get up from your desk, walk through the C-suite, and ask yourself, who is out here that does not look like me that could do my job? Question number two, why isn't there anybody out here that doesn't look like me that could do my job? Question number three, whose job was that? Answer those questions and call me back. Right? Lewis, you take it a step further, you say to a guy, let me see if I got this right. You've been at this company right here for 25, 30 years, and you saw what it looked like as you were climbing the ladder the whole time. But now, 30 years later, oh, you recognize that there's something wrong with this picture. The only reason you recognize it is because you got shareholders and stakeholders who are calling you on it. Lewis, let me take it a step further than that. Let me tell you something. Now, that's just me and you talking real straight. I do not give, have not, and will not ever give a Martin Luther King Day address. Okay? I've been asked to do many, many, many of those. I decline. You know why? Why? Because my position is this. Let me see if I got this right. Every year, every CEO comes out and gives the same lame speech about Dr. King's comments about the content of your character being more important than the color of your skin. And then they go back to doing the same things they were doing the 364 days before. Now, I ain't going to support that. So, so, Chris, out of all those people that have called you, have you seen change from any of them? I'm still looking. I'm still, Lewis, I'm still looking. And you know what? I keep my ear pretty close to the ground. You, you said something earlier. You said, oh, I'm out of finance. No, I'm not out. <laughs> I'm not out. I keep my ear pretty close to the ground. And you know what, Lewis, is kind of funny. Uh, so I'm not going to say anybody's names, but people made these pledges. Oh, we're going to pledge a billion dollars to fight injustice. We're going to pledge another billion dollars to close the economic disparity. We're going to address another billion dollars over here. And I'm still trying to find out, hmm, has anybody written a check? Has anybody gotten a check? Right? Dude, a lot of these people making these pledges, they got a PPP problem, Lewis, and I'm not talking about the payroll protection plan. I'm talking about the fact that every pimp, politician, or preacher is at their front door saying, pay me. All right? And some of those folks, again, I'm not going to say anybody's name, but if you write them a check, Lewis, they'll go away quietly. Now, you know, right, look here. Don't you say a word. I know your face, Lewis Carr. <laughs> you, we know who we're talking about. <laughs> you just write him a check and, and everything. Cool. <laughs> so, so, Chris, you know, I a couple of years ago, I, I made a decision that I wanted to do something to sort of get some comfort in my life. I, I've been this guy for a long time who's trying to understand uh, why God blessed me and why God sent certain people into uh, my journey. And I counted what I would call 19 waymakers, people who entered my life and had such a dramatic impact that if they had not, I may be on another path, on another road right now. 19 of them. I believe that the majority of successful people got to where they are because of a waymaker. It may have been one. It may have been 19. I don't know. Who were some of the waymakers in Chris Gardner's life? The first one was my mama. I had one of them old-fashioned mamas. One of them old-fashioned mamas who told me every day, boy, you can do or be anything. And I believe it. Now, it's important, Lewis, I share with you what she did not say. She did not say you can have anything. She did not say you can buy anything. 
She does not say that you're guaranteed, assured, owed, or entitled to anything. She said you could do or be anything. And for me, man, that was an even bigger statement, Lewis. Because if you could do or be anything, all this other stuff will come. My mother gave me permission to drink, okay? Let me tell you some of the other way makers as you describe them. Public school teachers. Man, I am so thankful I had some of the public school teachers that I had in my life. And I'm, you know what, it's little, little, little things, Lewis. I wrote my first book, The Pursuit of Happiness. I talked about my elementary school teacher, Mrs. Broaden, who helped me to fall in love with books and reading. Anything I'm doing today, I'm doing because a public school teacher helped me fall in love with books and reading. And I'm so glad that I mentioned it, you know, in the book, because you know what happened, Lewis, last year? Mrs. Broaden, unfortunately, she passed away. Uh, but her son called me. Her son called me and said, I want you to call Chris Gardner and tell him. I knew he would. Lewis, we, we taught at this point, we're going back 60 years. Tell Chris Gardner I knew he would. All right? Mrs. Spellman, who helped me fall in love with mathematics. Mrs. Mertz, who taught me about civics. Man, Lewis, everything that I'm doing, everything I've done, my entire career on Wall Street, 35 years, is made possible because I had some public school teachers who told me I could. Lewis, I'm in a business where I've had to compete with people who went to Harvard for kindergarten and crushed them. <laughs> so Chris public school teachers Lewis, those are my heroes everybody talks all this stuff about yeah 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 okay that's fine my heroes are public school teachers who right now today Lewis don't get the respect nowhere near the respect that they're deserving of so, so Chris that I can talk about this a long time you don't raise the subject that <laughs> but go ahead go ahead I'm sorry so, so I'm a good listener you just said permission to dream now you got a book coming out oh you got a book coming out called permission to dream tell us about that and tell us why now first of all the easy part why now there's never been a time in this country's history, individually and institutionally, where permission to dream was probably more important than right now. And permission to dream is different for each and every one of us, but one of the basics in that that's non-negotiable is we just want to be healthy, Lewis. We want our families to be healthy and safe. Okay, that's the bottom line where it all starts right there. Everything else is negotiable. All this other stuff will work itself out, all right? But this idea of permission to dream, man, started as a result of me taking my granddaughter someplace to get a musical instrument that was her dream instrument at the time. Let's be clear on that. She was nine years old at the time. She had, had to have it. Turns out, man, we wound up in a place that I call going north of the wall. I don't know if you're a Game of Thrones fan or not, but there's a place called going north of the wall that you don't go unless you absolutely got to. But we had to go north of the wall. We got lost, stranded, no transportation, and one of the worst snowstorms in history. So we got to walk and try to find a bus. And as we're walking, Lewis, she started asking me these questions that allowed me to, to have this time with my child and say, you know what? If this was our last walk together, what would I want her to know? What would I want her to hear from me? The first question she asked me out of nowhere, Papa, what's the difference between a dream and a plan? It's a nine-year-old, Lewis, right? What's mm -hmm. the difference between a dream and a plan? 
and we keep walking. We walked past Cabrini Green, Lewis, on the way home. It's been destroyed at this point in time. But she notices there's one building, what used to be there? And I had to talk to her about urban planning and gentrification. And her first question was, Lewis, she asked me, well, where did all those people go? That's a question I don't think anybody in Chicago can answer right now, Lewis. Where did all those people go? Did they have dreams? This whole idea of where we are as a country right now, let me say this. I don't go around talking to anybody about politics. You're not gonna change anybody's mind. The red people are red, the blue people are blue. And if you disagree with them, Lewis, now you gotta fight. Well, I, I ain't got time to fight. I got work to do. I, I got to go to school today, all right? My point is, a few times I've heard President Biden talk about the way forward and some of the things that we need to do and address. And I kind of asked myself, how did he get a copy of my book? <laughs> the book ain't even been released yet, Lewis. You've been reading my shit, man. Where you get my book from, all right? But this whole idea, let me tell you this. Um, speaking with young people across this country, and they asked me, is the American dream still possible? Now, the American dream, Lewis, let's be real clear on how I define that. That definition was given to me by my mom when she said you can do or be anything. That's my definition of this American dream. And I said, absolutely, I'm living it every day, but let me tell you something, it's changed. Because of globalization and technology, the people that you're now competing with are not in your classroom. Because of globalization and technology, the people that you're now competing with are someplace all around the world. And while you are off being young, enjoying yourself as you're perfectly entitled to do, you gotta know this, you gotta know that the people that you're competing with are someplace grinding. They're practicing, they're networking, they're rehearsing, they're researching, and that's gonna make the difference between who signs the front of the check and who signs the back of the check. And when you put it to them like that, Lewis, whoa, you see the lights come on, right? To have a young man or a young woman say to you, I just never thought of it like that, right? I never thought of it like that. And so people ask me a lot of times now, well, what business are you really in? I tell them, I'm in the import-export business. I am trying to import our greatest export. And I ask them questions. People ask me questions, ask them a question back. What would you say is the greatest export in the history of this country? Manufacturing? Nah. Technology? Nah. Hamburgers? Nah. The greatest export in the history of the United States is the American dream. And this ideal that there's a place where you can do or be anything. That's the greatest export in the history of this country. And that's why I'm working to help import it right now, because too many of our young people don't believe and with good justification. Right. So the answer, the shortest answer I could give you about this new book, Permission to Dream, it's an effort to have what can be done as much of a conversation as what cannot be done. There's no shortage of people telling you what you can't do. Let's talk about what's still on the table. So, so Chris, I'm not gonna ask you to give too much away of the book because we, we need to go out and buy it. But I am gonna ask you this question because I hear it a lot myself as I go around. I can't be what I can't see. Your response to that. Bullshit, next question. Is that what it says? Is that what it says in the book, Chris? Louis, 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 Louis. I grew up in a community, probably not too much from what different than yours. There were no black stockbrokers or investment managers in my neighborhood. There were no investment professionals in my community. Right? 
But what I did have in place of that, more important than seeing it, I had it already planted in me that you could do or be anything. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw it as a 28-year-old man, boom. Lewis, the very first time that I walked into a big-time Wall Street trading room, I knew this is it. This is it. The ticket table is rolling, the phones are ringing off the hook. People are screaming and shouting out orders. Bodies are flying all over the place. Tickets are getting stamped. And what looked like chaos for anybody else, Lewis, for me, it was like I was reading the sheet of music. And I could feel it. And I knew. Right? I'm damn near 30 years old. But I knew it the second I saw it because I had been given permission to dream and I made that decision. I had that permission clarified for me by Dr. King when he said, whatever you go do with your life, you should seek to become the best at it. Well, when I saw Wall Street, I knew this is where I'm supposed to play. This is where I'm going to play, right here. All right? And I wouldn't trade it for nothing, Lewis. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, man. And the business has changed tremendously. But I will say this, man, one of the coolest things in the world for me personally is to be walking through a financial district in Chicago, New York, London, any place in the world, and have a young person stop me on the street and say, Mr. Gardner, you don't remember me, but, but I was an intern at the Summer Finance Academy in Chicago in 1994. And and you brought me to your office, and we had lunch. Or you let me be one of your interns, 94, 95, 96. But today, Lewis, they're running the trading desk at UBS in Munich. Huh? They're running the desk at Singapore for Merle Lynch. Dude, these seeds have been planted already, right? And to see a man around the world, for me, Lewis, that's the most exciting thing in the world, man. I just want to see it one more time. I want to see this next wave coming through. All right? So, Chris, talk to the people who may be sitting on the sidelines, who have the experience, the academics, and the resources to be waymakers, but they're not. Well, they should be. We need you. We need every way maker that we can possibly get right now, okay? We need you now more than ever before because there are some people out here who are lost, who are afraid. And you know what, Lewis, again, I don't know why, but you're making me think so much of Dr. Angelou. <laughs> Lewis, I'm going to tell you this story. I never told nobody. Ooh, the last whooping I ever got. I got from Dr. Maya Angelou. Oh, wow. Oh, Lewis. What did you do, Chris, to get I to work with? Something. I said something. It didn't sound that stupid and small-minded to me when I said it, but after I said it out loud to her, I realized that that was stupid. Uh, it turns out... Uh, folks in my hometown, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, wanted to name a street after me. All right, cool. Hey, that's cool. All right. Well, I'm on this street. I'm on this street right here. I'm on Wisconsin Avenue, which is the equivalent of Michigan Avenue in Chicago or Fifth Avenue in New York City, Wilshire Avenue in, in L.A. I want this one. And Dr. Angelou said to me, you don't get it, do you? You don't understand that someplace in the neighborhood where you grew up, there's a little boy, a little girl who feels alone, afraid, and unloved, and they need to know that greatness came this way. So these waymakers that are sitting on the sidelines, folks need to know greatness came this way. We need you. Right? And let me tell you something. As you see these 
people that you touch and reach out to, as you see them grow, that's going to be the greatest investment you ever made in your life. Because that's how we're going to change this country and we're going to change the world. I believe that. Well, before we leave, Chris, I've been knowing you for a long time. But I've never asked you this question. But I'm going to ask it today. Do you ever sit back and pinch yourself and say, how the hell? How the hell did I not only start at the bottom, but now I'm here. And on top of that, I got a cherry that have to have the one of the greatest actors of all time play out my life story on the big screen. Do you ever just pinch yourself? I do, Lewis, but then when I do it, I realize, oh, that was practice. Everything before this, Lewis, this was practice. It's the warm up. I mean, right now, I can't talk a lot about it. I'm involved with something, a publicly traded company. We're about to do something that I'm tremendously excited about. Um, probably could be the biggest thing I've ever done in my business career. And I feel like, dude, you know, I had a birthday last week. I am a 67-year-old startup. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Happy belated birthday. Oh, Lewis, everything before this man was practiced. Now we know how this thing works. All right? And 67 is the perfect age, Lewis. It's old enough to know what you're doing, but young enough to get it done. All right. Say I, that again. I, Say that again. Old enough to know what you're doing, but young enough to get it done. All right. That's where I'm at, baby. I've been blessed. I'm probably in the best physical condition in my life. I feel strong mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I couldn't be better. And but you know what, Lewis? Let me tell you this before we go. You know what happens sometimes when you are playing, and I'm just Lewis being very honest with you. I would not say this to anybody else. Somebody else out there is probably not going to take it the right way. They're going to say he's bragging. Look, I'm not bragging, but let me tell you something. When you do the work for a long time, when nobody's watching, Lewis, when you're in the back of the shop, when you're in the wood shop and you're grinding, right? Ain't nobody watching. When you're in the gym, when you're rehearsing, and when you're just sitting here trying to really just stay as highly focused as possible, you get a chance to do something called your best work. And Lewis, for me, that's the greatest feeling in the world, man. I just, uh, last week, man, came out of the studio, taking it to another level, all right? The thing we're doing in schools, we have to do it now virtually, okay? But now we're taking it to another level, Lewis, with green screens. Imagine for a second, that screen, you know the ugly green screen they use in the movie business? I, I got one behind me. I know you do. <laughs> I just don't have it up. <laughs> no. imagine having that green screen in front of you. You got 500 young people behind you. You got another 500 young people and you're right there in the middle and you're changing people's lives, right? And you know you're playing at the top of your game, Lewis. That's a good feeling. And just driving home from the studio, Lewis, all of a sudden, the snow, the gray, ugly, cloudy, the sun was shining, couldn't nobody see it but me. All right? That feeling, Lewis, of doing your best work. That's what it's all about right now. And sometimes, man, you got to do your best work in the rain, Lewis. Everybody want to work when this. The sky is clear, the sun is out, everybody want to work. Sometimes you got to do your best work in the rain. And I'm not talking about the rain coming down from the clouds. I'm talking about the blood, sweat, and tears that you create when you're trying to build something. You got to be able to work in the rain. That's what's going to make the difference. Everybody else going to go inside. <laughs> That's like that coach asked you that question, Lewis. I, do you need an umbrella, son, or are we gonna work in the rain? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna end with this. You better preach. 
You better keep no, preaching. But like, you just stop, ruined my whole day. I, I I had this thing blocked off for two hours, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lewis, man, it's so good to see you, man. Oh, it has been my pleasure. How's Mrs. Carr? Where is she? Mrs. Carr is here. She just went to answer the doorbell. I think it was uh, Amazon Man. <laughs> Tell her I want to see her face. Just have her come over and say hello for a second. No, literally. I, I, I hear that and talking to the Amazon man right now. Don't nobody want to see Lewis Carr all day? <laughs> <laughs> man, it has been great talking to the CEO of Happiness. You were on your game today. You, 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 clearly, you clearly was giving us the goat. You were giving us the goat. Lewis, we got work to do, man. Mm-hmm. We got work to do, brother. Okay, uh, and, and I appreciate it. Uh, I I uh, I have joined uh, y- your army of people investing in human capital. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking for ROI, which we call return on influence, mm-hmm. not a return on investment. Return on influence. Yes, sir. And I hope that I can be as half as good as you at doing what you do. Look, let's just stay. Let's stay focused, man. This is the the most exciting time. And let me tell you this. I'm going to say this one last thing because uh, I believe in the near-term future of our country, near-term and long-term. And I believe, man, we're about to have the greatest comeback in the history of comebacks. This thing is going to be bigger than Rocky Balboa. And if you don't believe that, then get off the field and get out the way because the bench is deep and they came to play. <laughs> we got work to do, Bob. Let's go to work. Thank you so much, Chris. Appreciate uh, this. And see you soon. See you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Chris Gardner. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know on our social media at Waymaker Culture. Make sure to order your copy of Chris's latest book, Permission to Dream, now available on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Books a Million, and HarperCollins. Don't forget to claim your first six months of the Waymaker Journal free at waymakerjournal.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode.